Have you ever looked up the word imminent? That's spelled I-M-M-I-N-E-N-T, imminent. Well, I just Googled it, and here's what it says. About to happen, as in this sentence. They were in imminent danger of being swept away. It also has similar meaning to the word impending, at hand, close, near, approaching, coming, forthcoming, on the way, in store, in the offing, in the pipeline, on the horizon, in the air, in the wind, brewing, looming, threatening, menacing, expected, anticipated, and in the cards, all that from Google. So, the question then becomes, for all Christians, is the return of Jesus Christ imminent? We're going to explore that a little bit today on Bible Prophecy Radio. My name is Albert Hardy. That's Albert with an E. I'm here to say that no, it is not imminent that you have no worries, it's not coming today, not coming tomorrow or next week or probably in the next 10 years. Now, a lot of people might um, accuse me of saying that, well, he's saying that the Lord is delaying his coming. No, the Lord knows his timing and he will come in his time not in ours. He didn't, don't you remember that he said that he would come when least expected? I'm going to flip back to Matthew 24 and find that for you. It's in verse 44. This is straight from the lips of Jesus. Here's what he said. Well, let's back up to 42 and get the context. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. Then verse 44, you must also be ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when least expected. Unquote. Okay, yeah, we are to be ready just in case he were to come. We don't know the day or the hour, said Jesus. But if we're expecting him and he's coming when least expected, then guess what? It's not time yet. It's simply not time yet. And how do you know when it is time? Well, if you back up to uh, verse 22. Verse 22. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, in other words, by his return, not a single person will survive. 
but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. We can take comfort in that. Then if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't you believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I've warned you about this ahead of time. So, if anyone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go and look. Or, look, he's hiding here, don't you believe it. For, as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. So let me just stop right there for right now. Maybe we'll get back to this in a minute. Let's flip back to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And I'll start in verse 2. Well, actually, let's start in verse 1 and get a little more context here. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let's clarify some things about the, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed. So see, there are people out there saying that we are terrorists, that we're dangerous because we're prophesying that Jesus Christ will come or come soon, that it's imminent. Well, I'm here to say no, it's not imminent. Not, not quite. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those that say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us, don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come unless, and until, in other words, until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed the one who brings destruction. Now, I have a theory about who that is. Unfortunately for him, he's dead. His name is Mohammed. And those that follow him are the lawless, the most lawless people on earth. They kill more people than any other group. Now, why would there be someone else needing to be the lawless one other than them? There wouldn't be. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God. So, in other words, if you're a Hindu or some other religion, and what you call God is made fun of and... Um, rejected and called names about defying them, saying that he's better, then that is 
the Antichrist that they're talking about, he will sit in the temple of God and claiming that he himself is God. Well, isn't that what's happening on the Temple Mount? The Israelites aren't even allowed on the Temple Mount anymore. And the Muslims are keeping them out. There will be a time of trouble, and someone in that group will probably head up the rebellion against God, coming into the temple of God and claiming that he himself is God. Well, there isn't a temple as yet in Jerusalem, but maybe there will be before it's over. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what's holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. Now, to me, that's what it means. The time is what's keeping him back. It's not time yet. For this lawlessness is already at work, verse 7, chapter 2 of Second uh, Thessalonians. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way, or it becomes the time for him to act. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. In other words, tricks, lies, deceit. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and to accept the truth that would save them. Do you know of anybody that says that uh, Islam is a loving group? Do they love their wives or do they beat them? They beat them. And they can divorce or even kill them upon will and not get in trouble for it. Now, to me, that's lawless. It's evil, and they are deceitful, and they have no love. They refuse to love, and they refuse to accept the truth that would save them. And that's what he's saying right here. So, verse 11, God will cause them to be greatly deceived, and they will believe the lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil, rather than believing the truth. As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. We are always thankful that God chose you. You see, we don't choose God. God chose us. That's why we're not a religion. This is not a religion. Christianity is different. It's God choosing men, not men choosing a God and worshiping whatever they want to believe is God. No, we know God because of his word. 
but God chose you among or to be among the first to experience salvation, a salvation that came through the Spirit, who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. He called you to salvation when you or when we told you to believe the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you, both in person and by letter. Now may the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort, that is, comfort and uh, rest about our future, and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing that you do and say. And then he wraps this up with a few extra things that we need to talk about. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, this is chapter 3, verse 1, 2 Thessalonians, that the Lord's message may spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Pray, too, that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. And isn't that the truth? But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. And we are confident in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we commanded you. May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and have the patient endurance that comes from Christ, unquote. Now I want to take us to First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. You live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. For by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. There are our enemies who say that homosexuality, for example, is okay. Well, it's not okay according to God. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Folks, there really are just two alternatives. Either God is real and he's our creator, or we all just evolved into being. Our enemies, the enemies of Christ, say that we evolved into life. Well, then how do you explain conscious thought? Did that evolve? No way. 
Well, how about the fact that a human body, for example, and all life forms are like this, they are composed of parts, innards, organs, systems, nerve, uh, the nervous system, for example, the circulatory, the respiratory, the endocrine system, and on and on and on. All of that had to come together in a flash, a snap of a finger, just like that, or it would have died long before it could have self-assembled. That's just silly. It's really silly when you think about the actual science that had to happen before a life form could be fully ready to go. And what about reproduction? How in the world would that have evolved? No way. So live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God or his ways. Never harm or cheat a Christian brother in this matter by violating his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia, or throughout the world in our case. This is Paul writing to brothers in Thessalonica, a city in Turkey, if I'm not mistaken. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout the world, I'm going to say. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Then, people who are not Christians will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. I want to drop down to verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Now that would necessitate a resurrection. That has not happened, and it's not really about to happen at any time yet either. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage one another 
with these words. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write to you, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night, when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, so shut up about the future and what's happening in the world and everything else. So everything is peaceful and secure, he says. Then disaster will fall on them as suddenly, excuse me, as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. There will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk, but let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose us to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us, that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. You see, it'll happen at the resurrection. The first resurrection will be the Christians. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Dear brothers and sisters, verse 12, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard along or among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And live peaceably with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak and be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. You see, that's the true Christian's intent, is to love and care for people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said, holding on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and your whole life and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. 
for he who calls you is faithful. Unquote. God, when he says something, it's going to happen. It may not happen tomorrow or next week or in 10 years. We don't know. And we can't know exactly, but we can watch for those signs and we can live holy lives as God intends for us to. How can we do that? Verse 7, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but rejecting God who gives you his Holy Spirit. That's how we live holy lives. Now let's go back to Matthew 24. I want to see if I can spend a few moments uh, talking about the order of events here. You know, did Jesus get the order wrong in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, who talk about the end times? Did he get it wrong? Well, there's a lot of things that have to happen before he can return. And the prophecy teachers today are anxious for it to come back. And they follow, unfortunately, books written called the Left Behind series. And they made it into a doctrine that everybody now ubiquitously believes that the return of Christ can happen now because all the prophecies that needed to be fulfilled before the return have already happened. That's just simply not true. Here's some examples. Verse 9 of Matthew 24 says, Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. We're just getting started in the persecution of Christians. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. That's what's coming to us. And many will turn away from me. That's that great falling away we heard about in Second Thessalonians. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. See, the Christians will turn on one another, potentially. I hope it's not going to happen to you. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to prepare you. So I'm not a terrorist. I'm not trying to scare people. Not at all. I'm trying to give them comfort from the scriptures that were uttered by Jesus himself. He says in verse 11, many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. We already talked about that. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This order of events, by the way, is the same order in Mark in the same order in Luke. There's no rapture here. It talks about trouble and persecution, being arrested and killed. And to go on in verse 14, well, in 13, we just read it, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about 
the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. And he goes on. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration or destruction, standing in the holy place. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not even return to get a coat. How terrible it will be for nursing mothers in those days. And these are not those days, as I said last week. And pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones, the ones he died to save. Then if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah or there, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. And then we read all of this, so I'm not going to redo that, but let's go down to verse 29. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. You can go to my website, itellwhy.com, and you can read my books concerning these things for free. There's no advertising on my website, itellwhy.com. But there are more things to come, and we'll get into this next time as well. But hang in there, keep looking up, but we're not ready yet. We've got a long way to go, in my estimation. So until next time, I'm Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thanks for tuning in today.